0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
4: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. They
5: are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys
1: do a great job. We
2: love it. What can we say? He's
6: Chris Maddox.
3: He's employed by Sports Illustrated.
6: The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. you have a problem with it, build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the
3: one and only... Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris
6: Mannix. And we are back. Crossover NBA Podcast. I'm Chris Mannix from South Beach. We just got in from a late night at the Clevelander. Rowan Nudkutty. Rowan, is... uh, you look like again. I, I always bring up these zooms. You look like you're in a professional kitchen somewhere, recording this. Like, are I you, are you are you in the back of like Nobu in?
7: <laughs> um, I actually am in a professional home kitchen. Uh, this is not an ad. Shout out to uh, Big Lover Bakery, best vegan cookies in all of America.
6: Oh my god. <laughs> that. Is an ad, if you say (laughs) something like that. We only talk about our sponsors here on the show. If if your vegan cookie spot wants a shout out, they can fork over some cash.
7: Okay, fair enough.
6: Okay. Um, A few things I want to get into on this show. I took my Lakers hot take from the podcast sphere into print this week, and uh, let's just say I got some pretty strong reactions uh, to that. No doubt about that. Uh, I want to talk about Damian Lillard in Portland. Uh, Have we seen the end of the Lillard era with the Trailblazers, with Lillard being shut down for the rest of the season? Uh, But I want to begin with the latest ESPN straw poll for MVP. Uh, Tim Bontemps, our good friend over at the Mothership, uh, put up his latest straw poll. And it could not be a closer race for MVP. Uh, Was it Nikola Jokic? He lead? Nikola Jokic leads. It's a two-point separation. No, Joel Embiid. I, I, Joel Embiid leads the MVP race. I pull up those results right now. Uh, with 790 total points. Nikola Jokic is second with 788 total points. So as Bontemps put, points out, if this were the end result of a real MVP vote, uh, it would be the closest MVP vote in NBA history. Uh Tentacumpo, not to be forgotten, uh, is third with 612 votes. So very much within striking distance as this uh, voting season comes to uh, a close. So let me start there. How surprised are you, if at all, that a race that looked like it was going to be a runaway for Nikola Jokic is now suddenly completely up for grabs?
7: Uh, I'm not surprised at all. I, I I think that this has been the tenor of the conversation. I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's okay for people to change their minds. I think at the point of the last straw poll when it was conducted, Jokic, I think based on the data we'd collected to that point, was the MVP. And I think what's happened since then, Philly was on an incredible hot streak. I mean, Milwaukee, basically for most of the new year, frankly, has been incredible. It does not surprise me that that, the gap tightened considerably. I mean, I think Embiid has been fantastic over the last couple months of the season. I know Philly's hit a little bit of a snag here. He obviously missed that second Nuggets game, but in Ooh, terms of surprise, that was tough. That was yeah, tough. That
6: was, that was tough sitting out that second Nuggets game. Yeah. I understand injuries are real and mm-hmm. no matter what the MVP discourse is, you want to protect your guy for the postseason. but that was tough to miss that yes, game.
7: Absolutely. So I'm not surprised at all that the, the gap is tightened because I think that is a reflection of what we've seen over the course of the NBA season, which is the Nuggets going on a little bit of a slide. And Embiid's numbers just continue to the number of times he scored 30 points. It's just remarkable. I think what's really interesting, Chris, and I'm curious where you land on this Embiid's now missed, I believe, 14 games. He's going to finish playing under 70 games. Uh, people love to point out that stat. You know, no one's won the award playing that few games. The last person to win it uh, was Bill Walton how how much do you think that's going to be a factor down the stretch here because i think him missing that nuggets game reminded people oh he's missed a little bit more time than some of these other guys
6: no i think it is a factor um you know availability is always a criteria when you're voting for mvp you can't just look at advanced numbers as people are accused of only looking at with jokic mm-hmm. you can't look at the raw numbers the dominance the two-way play as people look at with uh, joel embiid that's why my vote During the Straw poll, Well, as always, I gave Tim Bontemps a fake ballot until he got so mad and texted me a bunch of times, said, give me a real one. (laughs) Austin Reeves, by the way, was at the top of that fake ballot. Um, My vote, though, for the real ballot went to Giannis Antetokounmpo because I'm just kind of looking around at everything and wondering what more does Giannis have to do? His numbers are better or equal to the numbers he put up during his two MVP seasons. So, he's playing like an MVP, or at least an MVP that people voted for. Um, he has the Bucs at the top of the NBA standings, and he has done it with his co-star, Chris Middleton, playing like 30-31 games. Um, mm-hmm. He's got other co-stars, Drew Holiday being top of mind, and some good depth. Brooke Lopez, a great defensive player, great you know box out guy, all the things that Brooke Lopez is known for. But he doesn't have what James Harden is in Philadelphia, what Jamal Murray is in Denver. That number two has been out for most of the season. I see mm-hmm. you shaking your head and saying, you know, maybe, maybe not.
7: But I I, I see what you're saying. I mean Murray's been more available, yes. I, I but to be honest, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think if I had a vote, my vote right now would go toward Giannis. The Bucks are 32 and nine since January 2nd. They lost on New Year's Day. Since then they've gone thirty-two and nine. They I think Lillian you bump team. it up. I think if you bump
6: it up to like January 23rd, they're like uh, I saw their game notes recently, like 24 yeah. and 5 or something like their three it's losses. Crazy. I mean, that 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 was right when I think that 16 game winning
7: streak started. Right. I mean, it, since January 2nd, only team with more than 30 wins and fewer than 10 losses. And to your point, you know I wrote about this for a side today like something to keep an eye on. Even with Middleton back, he's played 31 games. Started 17. He's shooting like 31% from three. He's averaging only 15 points a game. Like they're slow playing it, and that's great. They have that luxury, and just his presence has helped the offense. But it's still very much Giannis running the show here. It's him dominating on both ends of the floor that's been the reason for that success. I know in years past, their net rating numbers were a little bit better. That hasn't been the case as much this year. But I mean, just in terms of sheer wins, I'm with you. I think. For me, I think my vote would go to Giannis right now, just because I feel like the Bucks have kind of separated themselves. And you think about, you know, Steph, Clay, and Dre, we talk about the Warriors, they've obviously had injury troubles. They've played more games together than Drew, Chris, and Giannis. Uh, a, a lot of teams have had their best players together. That, that's why, you know, Murray, the availability, a lot of teams have had much better availability than the Bucks. So I, I'm with you. I think, It is weird to me that it's somehow become a... It feels more like a two-person race than a three-person race. But uh, to me, Giannis is is right there.
6: Yeah, look, I think a lot of voters, too, um, are still open-minded about their vote. Um, You know, Tim asked me, I want to say, four days ago. So you're looking at late March. uh, I think that you could see some movement among the voters Mm -hmm. in the next couple of weeks. There's only five or six games left. But I think, you know, a string of dominant performances by Giannis could bump him up those standings. Uh, A string of poor performances by Jokic could bump him down those standings. Joel Embiid, if he misses like three games in the final uh, stretch, Mm -hmm. that could bump him down the standings. So look, just like when Jason Tatum was atop the standings in December, uh, that What may not hold true, just like Jokic in February, you could see some movement over the final two weeks. And then, look, if it is this close, we are going to see a lot of scrutiny on some of the bonkers votes out there. Like, (laughs) there's a bonkers vote on that straw poll. Someone, someone is going to put Jimmy Butler
7: second. Someone's going to do something terrible. So, you know, Derek White's going to get an MVP vote. I'm just,
6: I'm just looking at the straw poll, and Jason Tatum has one second place vote. I would like to announce on this podcast it wasn't me. I just want to say that right off the bat. I did not put Jason Tatum at second in the straw poll. Um, Jalen Brown has a fourth. Maybe it's the same voter that put Jay, Jason Tatum uh, second and Jalen Brown fourth. I, I don't really understand. Great season, Jalen Brown. Strong candidate for All NBA, but not uh, in that mix. Even like Jaron Jackson Jr. has. A fifth place? I don't know. Some of these votes are <laughs> a little crazy. They they scream, like, local, you, uh, yes, local Yes, big boat. time.
7: Do you feel like Giannis needs, you know, Jokic has, I think, like a statistics community behind him, and I don't want to, like, pigeonhole him and make it like his entire case is advanced stats. Like, I think if you actually watched him play every night, you'd be like, this guy is sick. I think a lot of people genuinely don't watch him play. Embiid obviously has. He talks about the MVP a lot. He has people who talk about the MVP a lot on his behalf. You have Daryl Mori tweeting. Like, does Giannis need a better PR team? Like, when you look at Giannis and Embiid's stats side by side, it's like, why are we so focused on Embiid winning the MVP? Is it just because he's never won it before? Like, I think Embiid scores maybe two more points a game than Giannis, but Giannis has more rebounds and assists, shoots slightly better from the field. Like, why are we, wh- where's his push? Like, how come no one makes the Giannis push?
6: I think the Embiid push is in part organic because or Embiid has been the runner up the last two times mm-hmm. and there have been plenty of people that thought he was robbed in recent years. Giannis has his two MVPs. Mm-hmm. Embiid, to your point, does have a mouthpiece in Daryl Morey, who has been just you know, <laughs> not not only, you know, advocating for his guy, but you know, contributing to the toxicity of, of this this debate by could criticizing you, those could that you don't just vote
7: for him. Imagine if Jokic was on Mori's team. The push he would be making—it's just no, so funny, incredibly, it's incredibly so Yeah, Daryl's like yeah. a big
6: analytics guy. Dar- exactly. Darryl Daryl exactly. runs the Sloan Conference. Like, or he, he was, created the Sloan Conference.
7: He—he, <laughs> he, you just—he never brought up defense when he was campaigning for James Harden to win MVPs. No, you know? no, yeah, he didn't. no.
6: But look, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Daryl, Daryl and I have had this conversation. We've had this conversation. He and I uh, over the phone. So I'm not telling him anything in his podcast that I haven't <laughs> or wouldn't say to him, but. Uh, I, I do think that if you... And this is kind of why I cast my vote the way I did. If you look at it objectively, Giannis is every bit the defender Joel Embiid is. He yes. just does it in different ways. He's more versatile mm-hmm. on the perimeter and not like kind of the interior shot blocker um, that Embiid is. Uh, so I really think that if 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 and when people sit down to cast their ballots uh, on or before April 10th, uh, you, you have to look at Giannis and say... He's got the same numbers or better than Embiid. His team is better. He's been doing it without Chris Middleton. Like I just don't know what more Giannis has to do. He has done everything humanly possible. Whereas Embiid, you look at him and you say, "All right, maybe he could have played a few more games." Um, his team is behind Giannis's in the standings. Uh, I just think, I just think, if you look at it in a completely clear and objective way, you find more reason to vote for Giannis. Uh,
5: All right. On Thursday, I uh, <laughs>
7: broke the Internet. My, yes, I kind of <laughs> <Yeah.
6: laughs> stuck myself out there with a with look a take that we've discussed on this podcast. That's not yeah. the first time I've been uh, advocating for the Lakers or uh, predicting the Lakers would make a deep playoff run. But I did finally write after the Lakers win over the Bulls on Wednesday that the Lakers were going to win the Western Conference. This had some predictable backlash from all corners. Of uh, NBA Twitter. But look, I, I do think, Rohan, not to defend myself, but I do think there is a justifiable uh, reason uh, for that take. Uh, the Lakers, right now, I believe, what's sitting in the eighth seed, you know, right there behind, <laughs> playing Minnesota, by the way, on Friday. So that's a, a big matchup. They could jump up to seven by the time many people listen to this podcast. So I think they could find themselves. Right there, seven, maybe even six, at the end of the regular season, avoid the play it altogether. And if they're the sixth seed and playing Chris Herring, Sacramento Kings, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't believe there's anyone out there that would pick the Kings over the Lakers. I don't believe it in in a first round series. Similarly, if they play Memphis as the seventh seed. I don't believe there's anyone. Oh, I'm out picking there. Memphis.
7: I'm okay. picking Memphis.
6: Okay, fine. You you can do that, <laughs> but you know I I will okay. happily be your bookie on that one because
7: you, you'll book that action. <laughs> yes, I'll book that
6: action for you. I'll book, okay. Memphis right now is not Memphis what they were three months ago. Remember that. Like they yeah. are not the uh, old Grizzlies I mean, who were tearing through the league.
7: But they, I mean, listen, they're eight and two in their last ten. I think they've had, in fact okay. Rebounded. But look,
6: look at hold on, just just to be clear. They're eight and two in their last ten. They had back to backs against Houston. Um, their schedule has been weak. Okay, in, in that's In the last fair. ten games, that's fair. All right, here's and Brandon Clark all, is not coming back.
7: That's true. First of all, I just want to applaud your commitment to this bit. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. It's Lakers fans it. don't
6: know what to make of it. Lakers yeah, fans are it's, just it's they're like, troubling. wait a minute. Why is the guy from Boston picking the <laughs> yes. Lakers? What, what is this <laughs> a, a weird reverse yeah. <laughs> jinx? Like what, what's I, happening here? I don't blame them. It is it is
7: very troubling what's happening. So first of all, in your defense, you know, I wrote this piece today that's going up on Friday, you know, five things to keep an eye on headed into the playoffs. Their oh, defense is you love the been, five things. You we do. You love the five things. We love a... People love the number five for whatever reason. But I think the Lakers' defense has been really impressive post-All-Star break. They're fifth in the league in defensive efficiency, and that's with LeBron missing a month, although some people may argue now that that might be the reason, but... I my biggest question mark for them after the trades they made was, can they still be good defensively? You know, this year they were really bad, you know, 18th defensively, Um, not very bad. But when they won a championship, the reason why was because their defense was good. They didn't have a good offense that year. It wasn't particularly special. It was because they had the best defense in the league. Them being number five, Jared Vanderbilt's made an incredibly massive difference for them. Anthony Davis, when he's played, has been really good on both ends of the floor all year long. So I think way better making, than good. Like
6: he's been yes, great. Yes. Like all I NBA. Could, agreed, level. Yeah.
7: agreed. Agreed. So if I'm making an argument in your favor, I think their defense is championship worthy. And if you give LeBron a top five defense, he will find you enough offense in the playoffs that they'll have a chance in any given series at the same time i just it's such an uphill climb i mean you mentioned they beat chicago the other night they lost to chicago a few days ago in lebron's game back first game back that was at home that was a pretty bad loss look at the team them. new orleans is red hot right now uh they've won six of the last seven they look good we can't really count on Zion Williams when coming back, but that team was really good down the stretch of last season. They gave the Suns an incredible first round. Minnesota's been really good. Golden State's lurking. Maybe Andrew Wiggins is coming back. Phoenix just got Kevin Durant back. I just think the climb is going to be too far uphill for them. I mean, they're in ninth place. Like you mentioned, if they get in six, yes, they'd have a great chance against Sacramento. I don't disagree. I know it's very bunched up there. But first of all, they still have to get in through the play-in. They're going to have to play two road games or at least one road game to get in uh, if the season were to end today. And what if they get Denver in the first round? I, I am picking Denver against the Nuggets. Uh, so Or Denver against the I am picking the Nuggets against the Lakers. So I, I hear you. I think that there's a chance that they draw a favorable matchup. But I don't think it's written in stone and... LeBron's foot, I mean, he's already hinted now several times, I shouldn't be playing, I should have gotten season-ending surgery. I also think counting on him to be healthy is gonna is a dicey proposition, especially yeah, for but four you're, playoff you're, rounds.
6: You're counting on him to be healthy in a postseason where you play like every third day. like, And that's going to be a huge advantage for the Lakers because when they lose, it's been because of a back-to-back situation or – Uh, a four and five nights situation, or a player or players needing extended rest situation, whether it's AD on back-to-backs or LeBron with the foot, especially in that first round where they space everything out, where you can go to Cancun for a week before you play a a second game. Like, you're going to have an opportunity to be fresh in the postseason. The travel is whittled way down. These are all things that I think are going to work in the favor of the Lakers. You're right. It would scare me if they have to go into a play-in tournament situation, uh, especially as like a 9 or a 10 seed where they have to win a couple of games, but if they go into a play-in situation as a 9 seed and have to play like the Pelicans or even the Timberwolves, who you know have, have proven to be pretty good you know, in the second half of the season. Uh, Oklahoma City, not a pushover in the playoffs. If the Mavericks get into that last spot, as dysfunctional as they've been, I don't know if I'd want to play Kyrie and Luka in a, in a playoff series. So that would scare me, but... You talk about them being a ninth, and you're right. Uh, but they are just a, if they win this game against Minnesota, all of a sudden they're in a dead heat with the Pelicans uh, for that number seven spot, and at least for now, a game back of the Warriors at number six. So that number six seed is not pie in the sky here. Like that's not like a a dream situation. They can get that spot, and if they do, they avoid all that mess altogether. I, I just what it boils down to is this: first, the Lakers have a functional roster, right? They the, mm-hmm. they are not the Russell Westbrook Lakers that were just trying to be over-reliant on names, no shooters, all that crap that plagued them for really the last season and a half. Not just this season, but last season as well. They have put together a functional roster. I know Malik Beasley is not shooting the ball consistently right now, but I'm of the belief he's going to get that back. Like, he's too good a shooter not to rediscover that form in uh, in the final few games into the playoffs. Austin Reeves, out of his mind. You know, he is... I saw a quote from D'Angelo Russell that I included in my column on Thursday. I'm like He said, There's nothing Austin Reeves can't do offensively. Okay. Like, nothing. The, the, I don't know that he was tongue in hand. cheek either. I don't know this who's gonna ahead, like, <laughs> but Austin Reeves has become a pretty good player. Like he is a consistent shooter. He's athletic. He's out there too, smalling Patrick Beverly on drives he's to the basket. Fou-
7: the, the foul drawing is what's really remarkable to me to Austin Reeves is getting to the line like prime it's great. Dwayne and Wade. People, or something.
6: I, I got a couple of tweets like off uh, for people showing the graphic of the Lakers with 411 free throw attempts or something like that, and <laughs> saying, "Oh, they're the, the referees try to help them." Like, no, they got guys go to the basket. The guys, they got guys that get fouled. Um, well, they can't the, shoot. They, they go to the hoop. Right. Yeah. I mean, you think think the referees are like helping Austin Reeves? Like we, we really <laughs> let me, really That's let a conspiracy you, theory I'd like to go down. Let me ask you a
7: bigger picture question about the Lakers for a second, because I'm curious what you think here. Russell can be a free agent this summer. Beasley's got a team option. You think they pick you, it up. You think they So
6: run run it back with this group, you think? Run it back. The the mistake the Lakers made was it three years ago now? I'm trying to do math. Well with they my yes, head. they
7: tinkered way too much. I think it was
6: you know, Tinkered. after the.
7: Yeah, they, they over tinker. They
6: won yeah. a championship in the bubble. And then, like, two months later in that 72- 72 <laughs> yeah. game season, they brought back a team with changes. And then a year later, they brought back a completely different team. That yes. was when they made the yeah. Westbrook trade. Right. So it's like the old cliche of it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Lakers just don't sure. listen to that. Like, so yeah. maybe they should look at their own history and say, you know what? We kind of screwed up by blowing up our team, trading for Russell Westbrook, letting Alex Caruso walk to get, to get Westbrook initially. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we shouldn't do that for Kyrie Irving. <laughs> maybe <laughs> we shouldn't you know trade or decline the team option for Malik Beasley, let D'Angelo Russell walk. Look, Russell's never going to be you know, a top 10 point guard probably, but he can be top half of the league and when he and he's a good shooter, a good distributor. He obviously likes being in LA. He fits with that team. He's got good length at the point guard position, which helps them defensively. Still only um, 27 years old. So 27 years old? Like, I mean, why mess with it? You've got something that clearly works right now. Why would you mess with it? I don't, sometimes NBA front offices try to be too cute. They try to yes. outthink themselves. The Lakers did that a few years ago. They had a championship team that they blew up. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it again. Even though they're not a championship team or may not be a championship team this year, they've got a formula that works. They've got a group that makes sense together.
7: The Reeves situation is going to be fascinating because I think it's going to be kind of a rerun of the Crusoe situation. Where- oh,
6: God. Yeah, don't screw <laughs> yeah, it up. Don't let yeah, Detroit they- come in there and give them him a big contract I- or something. <laughs>
7: Not to uh, make it, you know, I, I saw that him and Caruso are both kind of talking about, like, we only get compared because we're the small white guys. No. I just mean, from a pure contract situation, you know, I think similar to Caruso, he's not a first-round pick, so the rights things, all these things. But no. I agree, they can't mess it up. I'm fascinated to see what they do with Hachimura, who I think has kind of become redundant on the team. Or not nec- yes, pay him, but that's a good yeah. trade chip to have. I mean, Vanderbilt's been... Fantastic, man! Like I well, he's a
6: free, a free agent, right? Like he's he is
7: yes, but you know they'll have his bird rights, et cetera. That'll be an well, interesting. Well, yeah,
6: one. Uh, look, pay him, yeah. Vanderbilt, keep him, it, everything. Don't do yeah. anything. And if they <laughs> get look, if for some reason Austin Reeves, um, what is he restricted this summer? I, I forgot what it is, but if, I, if, I, they, they I, can't yes. lose Austin Reeves. Yeah, they, they can't lose Austin. That,
7: that's a big like, one. That's a big one.
6: Alex Crusoe, like I know what he would have caught uh, cost them on luxury tax payments, all that. But right now, if you look at who are like the best contracts for value in the league, Alex Crusoe's right up there. Like he oh, has like a 10 million per year contract the next two years. Like that's a high value contract right now. Yeah,
7: that was that was one of the dumbest things. Oh my God. <laughs> I believe it was Ben Cohen at the Wall Street Journal who wrote um Austin Reeves as the LeBron James of LeBron James's teammates. Like they had the best. Two man net rating of basically like any it's, LeBron. It's two great, man.
6: he's been yes. excellent. Yeah, excellent he's so all season so long. Good. Like you look, the Lakers. I understand they are not owned by a Steve Ballmer. They are a family-owned business, but they are still the Lakers. They are still a team that, if they went on the market today, what would they go for? Eight billion? Like, <laughs> yeah. If if the franchise value of the Phoenix Suns is four billion dollars then the value of the Lakers is double that it just is like you could yeah. get someone to pay eight billion dollars for the Lakers so are you
7: a are you a succession fan Chris
6: uh I you know I, I'm st- I'm still in the early stages of it'm okay, not there in we the, go the there, latter there, all ones. right
7: well I won't spoil it for you but yes let's just say that the the Lakers family trust could put together their nice little bidding war for the Lakers if they wanted to sell it one day
6: yeah there's there's no reason to nickel and dime with that team. You got to pay the luxury tax or go deeper in the luxury tax to keep some of these guys. You do it, but please, please do not just blow up this team in favor of getting Kyrie Irving. That would be a disaster, a disaster. Especially since you are going to be playing in the finals this year, as <laughs> was written on SI.com. One more thing what for is, you, what, Roman. What, what, oh. I just
7: I'm curious, like, what do we? Is there going to be any kind of come up and it's like, if the Lakers lose in the play-in, like, do you, do you just, this is just going to roll off your back? I'll fall like on my to, sword. I, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll all fall right. on my
6: sword. I'll fall on my <laughs> sword. But like, okay. come on, I'm not going to, what are we going to like, write this column? Like, this is the year for Denver. When we're going to get in, in future podcasts, uh, I do want to talk about kind of the pressure on Nicole Jokic this yes, year. Because it's time. extraordinary. Um, but that's a, Uh, a piece or a commentary for another day. Right now, I'm just bullish on the Lakers. I I like what I see. I like that LeBron's back. Um, I like what he said after the Bulls game where he feels pretty good and he feels like at the end of this road trip, he's going to get all of his kind of physical tools back just in time for two home games at the end. Maybe the play in got winnable games coming up. You know, Rohan, you've got Mm -hmm. Utah, you know, and Utah's not gonna be trying to win at the end of the season. Hmm. Um, Was it Houston again? You know, they can't lose the Rockets on the, on the road twice. At least I don't think Uh, they've got a chance here, a real chance to, to make some noise. So, Last thing for you, uh, we have Damian Lillard being shut down in Portland. Uh, it was originally kind of attributed tribute. It was a little got of calf injury, like some <laughs> yeah, kind of nonsense. On, on. Like, let's stop. Yeah. But look, the, the Blazers saw the writing on the wall. They saw the end of their season uh, coming. So their focus shifted from winning games to getting more ping pong balls for the draft lottery. And uh, they are succeeding wildly. You know, they go to Sacramento and get – Tattooed by 40 in that game. Uh, mm. So, um, you know, that. look, it's always going to be an end of season question when the Blazers end disappointingly. Is this the offseason where we see a change? And look, I spoke to Damian Lillard about this last month, and Lillard is never going to ask for a trade. Mm. But what he told me was. If it gets to the point where there just isn't any hope for building this team into a championship contender with him, he hopes that or believes that Joe Cronin and the organization will come to him and say, look, we tried, we failed. Let's see if we can make something work in a trade. Um, I think we're there. I do. This has been Mm. an incredibly disappointing year. In Portland. It look, every they've had some injuries, but this is not a major injury related disappointment. This is just a team that isn't very good. It has some good pieces. Anthony Simons, really good. Jeremy Grant, really good. Shaden Sharp probably will be really good. Like they've got some guys there, but this is not a team that is one transaction away from joining the ranks of the Western Conference elite. There is no transaction out there. They're, they're short of them acquiring AD for like sharp, you know, Simons and whatever, or some player of that caliber, which is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. This team is going to go into next season penciled into the same kind of slot it's finishing in this season. Maybe a little bit higher, maybe you get them at the 7-8 range, but this is not a team that's going to compete for a championship next season. And Lillard proved this year that he is still at the peak of his powers. He is one of the strongest
7: numbers of his career.
6: Yeah. And a leading candidate. I wonder if if sitting out the last, you know, was it one fifth of the season or whatever it is, or missing like a fifth of the season will cost him on all NBA first team, but he's having an all NBA first team season. There would be a bidding war to get him. He's under contract for what, you know, three, four more years. Mm. Uh, if there was ever a time to trade him, it would be this. Because you go into next year and Lilith adds another year, uh, more miles, maybe he doesn't play quite as well as as he did this season, then the trade value goes down. So this is this this has to be a very serious conversation had amongst ownership in Portland, which is, you know, Jody was kind of an absentee landlord at the moment. Mm-hmm. And Joe Cronin, the general manager, you've, I know how tough it would be to trade Damian Lillard, but this feels like the summer Rowan. Like maybe, maybe they go into it and they say, we're going to spend two months trying to find a deal that makes us great, or at least gives us a flicker of hope that we can be uh, back in the mix. But if they don't do it, if they get to the end of the draft and they don't do it, they got to make a deal. Now's the time. The the suitors would line up. You would get the kind of package that, you know, I don't know if it would be record-breaking because they've got some record-breaking deals out there, largely due to circumstance, but <laughs> yeah. this would be a haul that the Blazers would get. They would put them in position to try to identify the next Damian Lillard and try to rebuild this team. What's your take on on Lillard's future?
7: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So I... I uh randomly had this conversation with someone who I think has worked with Dame, knows Dame pretty well. Brought up the same thing. like, Is there a chance he'd go? He told me, I'm reading the text, Dame will never leave Portland. Never. But I think that gets to your point about Dame is not the kind of guy to ask out he will and never act. Te- yeah. And I think the tenor of the conversation's changed a lot. And I think part of it is I think frustrations are very high because there was a, a moment this season where it looked like the team might be pretty good, at least make the playoffs, et cetera, And things went south really quickly for them. And you just like you mentioned, you look at the roster, like I think Jeremy Grant's a nice piece. I like Shade and Sharp. I like Anthony Simons. I mean, first of all, Simons and Dame, it's like it feels like a new version of Lillard and McCollum. You know what I mean? It's like, and we saw the ceiling on that. And it would be one thing if the team were, let's say they were the sixth seed in the West and they were going to make the playoffs. You know, maybe they're not a contender, but at least there was a time when he was making the playoffs every year. Now that doesn't even feel like a guarantee. I mean, the fact that they're on the outside looking into the play-in when there's like 11, 10, 11, 12 teams in the West that feel like they have a chance at the playoffs. We're talking about teams pulling off first-round upsets, and they're not even a part of that conversation with the numbers he's put up. I think it's the most sobering season they've had with Dame because it's not like last year when he was injured and you could kind of use that as as the reasoning or the excuse if you want to use that word. I think that it, it it's just at the point where it makes a lot of sense for both sides. Again, if Portland if I felt like Portland was going to be a perennial playoff team, I'd say don't make the trade. There's value in being a perennial playoff team. Uh you, like you don't have to be a literal contender. Like, that's good for your fans, it's good for business, it's good for Dame, et cetera. Like, everyone's happy there. But now, if you're not even making the playoffs every year, which is what you'd grown accustomed to with him, and that you're not, you know, stars aren't demanding to play with him, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at just what's happened to the star trade market in the last year, what the Cavs got for Donovan Mitchell, what uh, the Jads got for Rudy Gobert, or I should say what the Jazz got for both of those players, like The time is now. Uh, the time is now you're going to get at least three first-round picks. You're going to get at least three first-round pick swaps. You're going to get young players. Um, and you could you have young players already, too, who are kind of ready to step into that role. Simons, over the last couple years, has been really good when he's played without Dame. You have Sharp, who's kind of this budding star. You could give him a bigger role. It also gives you a chance to move on from your other vets. right? You could trade a Yusuf Nurkic. You could trade a Jeremy Grant. They're going to get you valuable pieces back in return. It's not like the team has to completely bottom out and look like the Oklahoma City Thunder, but it's a chance for them to reposition themselves. And, you know, Dame gets to play meaningful basketball again. So I I just think it's at the point where it's now makes the most sense for both sides. It was different when they were making the playoffs, but if they're this far out of the West picture, I don't see the point.
6: Yeah, and if you start thinking about where the Blazers could look for the best deals, uh, a couple teams come to mind. First, the Knicks. That's obvious. Uh, mm-hmm. New York has pursued Lillard in the past. They came up short in the chase for Donovan Mitchell, and they faced a lot of backlash for that. I mean, they've they play the the Cavs on Friday. Going to do it without Julius Randle, but you know that's a game that Lillard could go off in, and they could wind up looking ugly or looking bad in that game. Lillard and MSG mm-hmm. would be amazing. that, yeah, I mean, that, that would, would be a show. A lot that of that would fun. be a show. That would be a lot of yeah. fun. He would sell a lot of tickets, and um, it would be the kind of stage he deserves at this point after playing mm-hmm. his entire career in Portland. I don't know if he makes the Knicks a championship contender, but you, know, you put Lillard with Randall, with Jalen Brunson. Uh, you're not going to defend anybody, but you're going to score a lot of points. Uh, mm-hmm. The other team I'm interested in is Boston. Uh, you know, Just because, and I'm not trying to do the Celtics should trade Jalen Brown stuff because they shouldn't. I, I think if, if, well, I think if so. you have the opportunity...
7: Why just well, do they look, trade him you, now or do they let him walk for free
6: is my well, question? Well, no, this is this is kind of the this is kind of the variable, the unaccounted for variable, right? Because if Jalen Brown makes all NBA this season, he's got a great chance of, of mm-hmm. doing it. if he makes all NBA, he becomes extension eligible for a supermax and the Celtics should give it to him. Like they should give him that supermax. It's it's just money, you're the Boston Celtics, pay him. He's in his mid twenties, he deserves it. Like give him that money. Uh, but if he doesn't make All NBA, he's not going to sign an extension because it doesn't make any financial sense. And then if you are Boston, you got to get a little worried about you know mm-hmm. him wanting to be there long term because there's always been that concern inside the Celtics organization. And then you've got recent comments by Jalen Brown to the New York Times oh, and incredible. others about the fan base and and all that. Nothing that makes you terrified that he's going to walk away, but it does. It doesn't reassure you. That's for sure that he wants to stay. So I, I wouldn't. If I was trading Jalen Brown for Lillard, I probably would only do it straight up. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. I'd throw draft picks in there because Lillard's going to be thirty-three this summer, and what you're doing is, you know, effectively, you know, shortening your championship window to like two or three seasons. When with Brown on the roster, it's probably five or six. Uh, So I'd be cautious in what I'd give up. But you know, if you can't get Jalen Brown to extend this summer, and if you're not sure that he's going to, then You've got to at least consider, you know, poking the Blazers about that and see what they're they're willing to take. Is there another team out there that you can think of that would be in the Lillard sweepstakes next summer?
7: I mean, I don't know that this makes a lot
6: of sense
7: because obviously, bear in
6: mind, bear in mind, Ron, they're gonna they're gonna work with Lillard on a deal. Like they're not just trading I him think, to Orlando, you right? Know, like so I think
7: that's a big part of it. Is it what if he puts a certain team on his list? You know, does that team have the assets? Like if, you know, Miami pops up on this list, these lists a lot, but like the Heat don't have anything interesting to trade unless someone no. really wants Tyler Hero. A, a team that you wonder if they're going to make a swing at some point, but even though I don't think they're a logical landing spot is like Oklahoma City sitting on a ton of draft picks. Like they could overwhelm a team with draft picks. They could even, you know, they they could, what if they put uh, Jalen Williams in the trade or someone like that? It doesn't seem like Sam Presti's MO and they have a fantastic point guard. But you know they're a team that it makes sense from an, an asset standpoint. I think it makes sense for Port- the- It
6: makes sense for Portland though. But like yeah. you know they've got Giddy who's like still like twenty twenty one. Yeah. You got Shea who's in his early twenties. You're just gonna get Chet back next year. I mean, even with Low, they're light years away from. I mean, from you could
7: even you could even make an argument in Brooklyn now if they if they want to put together yeah. the assets they got in the Phoenix deal and they you know could build a package if you put. I think they try to hold on to Mikhail Bridges, but can you put Cam Johnson? Maybe you include Nick Claxton
6: in a deal like that.
7: Like they could send back something interesting. Uh
6: don't the, you think don't you think the Nets are like kind of burned on yeah, superstar <laughs> deals? Like ten years ago say, they went and got Pearson Garnett. A few years ago yes, they get Kyrie and KD. But if like, there's
7: if there's like one guy it's like who's gonna show up and play, it's Damian Lillard. At least there's there's that. Um, I don't think you can count out the Lakers in any one of these discussions. I mean, it, Dame said before, you know, LeBron's, they've had meetings and talked about this kind of stuff, you know, but then we're talking about, do they give up Reeves, who apparently is number one on your MVP ballot? Um, you give
6: up Reeves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if it means, but I, I just don't know. They've given up a lot of draft capital yeah. in recent years. Yes, I don't know if Agreed.
7: It. It's just, it's a tricky balance between Dame is going to have a list and I'm with you. I don't think Portland's going to trade him. I don't think Portland's necessarily taking home. the Send best offer. Send them home. Offer. Send
6: them to San Francisco. Send them to Oakland. Send them back to the Bay, man. Like, Jordan Poole? who goes in that trade? You could put Jordan Poole in that deal. You could put Kaminga in that deal. You could put Moody in that deal. You could put draft picks in that deal. Mm-hmm. Like, like that would be. Can you imagine a lineup with Steph, Lillard, and Clay playing one, two, three? Like, come on. You could put you and me out there as four and five and still be <laughs> the best shooting team in NBA history.
7: Uh, yeah, they would have. It would be hilarious watching them play. Defense, but it would not matter. It simply would not matter. They'd they'd have the best offense in NBA history by far.
6: Ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. And I think Clay could fit okay as a small forward. And I think so in today's too. NBA, like that, that, I think that's a dark horse team to watch really because of they have the capital that could get a deal done. And you you know they want players, to make a splash, picks. like for whatever reason they do. they're
7: not satisfied. But
6: no, yes, no, like you know, would they want to do a deal with Portland again? That's a question. But if it meant getting <laughs> damien Lillard, yeah, uh, that would be clear. I think the bottom line is you know. This is it. This is the year. Like, there's a window where you can trade superstars for maximum value. And yes. teams have blown that window in the past. I think the Wizards already kind of did. Like, I, yes. I think Bradley Beals' it's value. The contract. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's less than what it would have been a year ago. So, your window's open, Portland. You know, if you're Joe Crone, you got to put on your big boy pants and be an upper level general manager here and understand that you've got to put this team through a painful process to get it back to a championship level. I mean, look, use Oklahoma city as a example. Like what, you know, they, they were a team that could still yeah. make the playoffs, could still do, make some noise maybe in the first round, but they had a low ceiling. So what they did was mm-hmm. trade Westbrook, trade George, get a whole bunch of assets back in return, and now they are on a path where as early as next year, they will likely be a solid playoff team. And if Shea takes another jump, and if Chet is who we think he is, then they will be a conference contending team in like two or three years. That's what you want to be. A small market team that can contend for years to come—it's it, a risk to it. It's this, what's the upside of keeping Lillard around? Selling more tickets at the Moda Center and you know, building a bronze statue for Lillard outside of it—you know, as soon as he's done playing—I I just don't get it. it. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, uh, I'm curious to see how that plays out with Lillard in uh, Portland. All right, Rohan, uh, go back to your cookies, and uh, we will <laughs> all regather next week.
7: All right, sounds good, Chris.